Hello, sports fans. Mike Leach is the Bill Murray of college football, who is entering his third year as the head football coach at Mississippi State University. And each year, he is nice enough to join me for about an hour to catch up on things, football, sports, and otherwise. And that time is now. Mike, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I appreciate your having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Coach. And uh, I have to admit, I thought about you Memorial Day weekend uh, while I was on vacation with my wife in Denver. Not because you necessarily are constantly popping up in my head while I'm on a romantic getaway, but we went and visited the Banksy exhibit that was in Denver at the time. And I know you are a big fan of Banksy, so I just want you to know if you are uh, in a city that has that Banksy exhibit at some point this fall, it's going to be well worth your time. Oh, I've seen several of them. I saw one in New York, a fairly comprehensive one in New York. Okay, then I've seen it. Uh, oh, it's outside of Bethlehem. Um, the West Bank? So, the West Bank. Yeah, I've seen it on the West Bank. It'll be on the wall. It's on the wall. It's on some buildings in between. And there's a hotel that's right there on the West Bank that has... Um, you know, some Banksy's. And then, of course, Banksy's done some incredible stuff. Romantic Getaway and Banksy, incidentally, aren't two things I would have associated, <laughs> but you managed to co-mingle them. Um, My wife would agree with you, Mike. But, uh, okay, so, and so I've seen several of them original. And, uh, no, I mean, it's 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 awesome. Well, one of the reasons why I love Banksy is because he messes with the fabric of that world, the art world. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of you as well. Uh, you are all about uh, messing with the fabric of college football and flipping the rules on their head. Uh, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on just uh, the direction that college football is heading right now with the transfer portal, the likelihood that the NCAA is about to allow players to transfer an indefinite number of times as long as they have eligibility left and not have to sit out a year. Obviously, NIL has created a, a different set of complications. And then you have college football playoff expansion with you, of course, being in one of the right conferences right now with the SEC and Big Ten seeming to lead the way. For you as a head football coach, though, how much more difficult has all of this stuff made uh, your job in the last five years? Well, it's real difficult because it's unsustainable. I think COVID uh, was the biggest initial pain in the ass. And then regardless of what side you're on, I mean, everybody wants everyone safe and healthy. Uh, regard, regardless of what side you're on, um, everyone was misinformed on it. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of things that have proven to be false. And, um, and then also it's clear that, uh, uh, that our politicians took advantage of things. And like I say, uh, whoever's the most extreme either direction can pretty well agree on that. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, as far as, well, I mean, if you want to just have a little fun, go up to some NFL guy and say, listen, you have 24-7, 365 days a year um, uh, free agency, you know, constant free agency and 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 if you think their face looks screwy then then tell them and by the way uh you're in a bidding war for every player you have <laughs> i mean everybody told us to not get in a bidding war but we did it anyway and then um 
also that uh, the transfer portal thing, that needs to get down to a window, just like the free agency window in the NFL, like a week. I don't know the perfect time, but say somewhere in May or into April or something, you have a week and, and, and you decide whether uh, you're transferring or not. You have that week and that's it. Okay. And then um, the other thing is, and I think the solutions to all this are quite simple and i'm not saying i have a perfect one although i haven't heard a better one um uh and i'm certainly willing to adjust mine if i hear something or think of something better um um i think the solutions are relatively easy because right now it's unsustainable and i think the solutions are relatively easy i think the hard thing and perhaps impossible is to get everybody on the same page, get everybody to agree to it. I mean, you know, uh, and I think, uh, you know, you can't just have a committee of 30. Uh, you need, you know, something like three people as unbiased as possible uh, based on a certain number of suggestions that come up with several models. And then the, the various schools look at the models and offer suggestions and, you know, as they hone that down, then vote on what model's best, uh, and then decide how we're going to do it. Um, but, uh, well, how I would do it, first of all, I mean, at least today, is, um, is I think there's a lot of uh, student athletes that like being a traditional student athlete they want more money okay i mean everybody wants more money i mean it's never enough you know and i think we gotta understand that too it's never gonna be enough i mean everybody wants more uh, so it's never enough but you got to get something that's workable and then um um and then you know this business of devaluing uh, degrees I think is tragic and right now that's where we're headed uh, and you know I, it, first of all most of these the student athletes and the athletes that I've coached want to get a degree uh, you know some are ambivalent about it but most want to get one so I think it's a fallacy out there that none of these guys want a degree well that's ridiculous it's also a fallacy out there that they're just doing this to go play in the NFL well only a fraction of these guys are ever going to play in the NFL and those that do aren't going to last very long. And then, um, so, uh, the regular, uh, uh athlete is, uh, they're, they're, they're more realistic about that than they are on the outside. And then, um, so as it stands right now, you get your, uh, scholarship, your room board books, all your fees, and you get a bunch of stipends now in recent years that you never got before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can agree. And I think most people would, would want to do this. Come in as a regular student athlete, you get your degree, all the stipends and things like that. And, um, um, and then if you don't transfer and you finish your eligibility at the college you commit to, so you have to graduate and you have to stay and finish your eligibility at the institution. 
then you get, I don't know the, the perfect number, but say $100,000 on graduation and after your eligibility. And, and then you still have to follow the team rules. If you violate the team rules, you can get cut. If you, uh, you know, refuse to go to practice, you get cut. If, uh, uh, but you can't be cut just for uh, your playing ability. You know, if the school says, well, we think you ought to, uh, you know, you're just not good enough to play here. Well, we can't just, as it stands now, you, you can't just cut the guy because you, you made a bad decision. And then, um, and then the other category you'd have is a guy that wants to come in as a professional. Okay. Cause right now, 17 and 18 year old kids have more privileges. Now their market may be different, but they have more privileges than any professional that's ever existed. Because it's all privilege, no responsibility. And to be a professional, there's responsibility associated with it. They have more privileges than Tom Brady. They don't have the market Tom Brady does. They're not as good a player as Tom Brady is. But they certainly have more flexibility and privilege. And um, with being a professional, uh, there need to be, you know, the guardrails and responsibilities that exist for professionals. And this really isn't hard to figure out. I mean, we overcomplicate it, but it's not hard to figure out. I mean, look no further than the NFL, okay, the XFL, the other FLs that uh, whatever initials are thrown around and whatever league just started or whatever. USFL. Okay, yeah, do all the FLs. <laughs> and then um, uh, NBA, European basketball, um, you know, those uh, minor league basketball teams, uh, major league baseball, all the different levels of minor league baseball. I mean, they're all doing it somewhat the same way where, yes, you're a professional. We're paying you to do a job and your job requires certain things. So none of this is too much to ask. OK. And the professionals, um, they get drafted, traded and cut okay uh, every one of them okay every league that i just mentioned drafted traded cut okay and then so a guy says okay i want to come in as a professional well all right then you say okay uh, you know you call whoever the governing body is we're going to put you on the list uh, the draft list. We're going to keep in touch with you, keep you informed so you'll know everything you need to know. And uh, and then um, draft day comes and you'll have a sequence and a rotation of the schools, um, you know, just like you do at other leagues. And, um, and then you have a draft. You draft those guys that are on the professional list. And now with a professional they're open to every level of name, image, and likeness that, you know, that their market will allow. Um, um, and then they can be traded. Okay, so we need alignment, say. School in Idaho's got a real good lineman. They need a receiver. Okay, now you can't trade the guys that come in traditional college, but you look, okay, who are our professionals? Oh, shoot, okay, this receiver's. He's doing some good things, but we're deep at receiver. So you trade the receiver. He goes to Idaho. The Idaho guy comes to you. Um, and then 
you know, somebody gets too caught up on something or doesn't perform well and he's a professional, you cut him. And then you give his money, whether in the professional uh, category or the traditional student athlete uh, category uh, to, um, you know, the guy that you played ahead of it. And, um, and, uh, and then I think that, uh, you know, the other thing, those degrees are valuable beyond what somebody majors in. Like they'll say, well, he got a degree, but he doesn't do anything with his degree. Well, what he did do with his degree is he learned responsibility. He went through the gauntlet of requirements and responsibility to get the degree. He learned a lot in the process of getting that degree. It builds uh, people, families uh, for a long time. And um, and so I think you could easily do that. I don't see any reason you can't. And, uh, and again, then the free agency window, that's within a week and anybody can do the free agency as they want. And then, um, oh, you know, we mess around too much with somebody will sue us. I mean, you know, people constantly sue people for stuff they're not legally entitled to. And they probably will sue us for something they're not legally entitled to. And then we just have to sue them back. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, so no, I don't, I don't think this is very hard. And then somebody, you know, everybody gets a horrified look when they say, well, you can't tell some guy where he has to go to school. Well, professionals do. I mean, professionals tell them where they go. You know, professionals tell them what team they're on. I mean, keep in mind, even Little League Baseball has a draft. Hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. They sure do. Now, as far as the simple solutions go, I'm with you on that. I'm curious about if there's a cap on the number of aspiring professionals on the roster or if Alabama and Texas and Mississippi State and Georgia and Oklahoma and let's say the bigger programs in college football get a higher number than the Utah states of the world. But I feel like part of my simple solution, Mike, is just rolling back the transfer and not having to sit out rule. Like that's such an easy thing for me. Like you can't control the money necessarily, but you can control the movement. If you can control the movement, then all of a sudden you get a much better handle on the money. And if you are keeping guys from being able to jump from one school to another and get to play that very next year, all of a sudden, all of this bribery that you're seeing to pull a guy from school A to school B, I think slows up considerably. Well, schools can't pay it anyway. I mean, what it's got to be is, um, that guy's market's got to dictate their money, but you know, your market's going to vary based on where you're drafted, but nevertheless, you're going to be drafted. I mean, you know, a guy that gets drafted by the Cowboys has a different uh, uh, market than somebody drafted by say Cleveland, you know, I mean, that's just part of the deal. And then uh, I don't know, maybe they'll trade you, you know, Uh, but you know, I don't, a lot of these people have evidently forgotten what they were like when they were 18. I mean, I remember, okay, an awful lot of, uh, an alarming number of professional athletes are now bankrupt, you know, because they're busy trying to be professional athletes. They deal with bad people that siphon off all their money. Well, what do you think a 17, 18 year old's going to do? What would you have been like 17 and 18 with a whole pile of money? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm horrified to think what I'd have been like, 
And there weren't cell phones then, fortunately. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. You don't hear about what the safety for, say, the Redskins, what his uh, NIL deals like. Okay. Well, first of all, you have to earn something. You have to go there long enough and play well enough that you're a player of significance. Then maybe uh, you get a, a, a national deal. If you get a national deal, everybody's going to know about it probably. Like we know about Brady's Rogers, Aaron Rodgers and stuff. Okay. Or you might get a local deal, maybe the tire guy. Well, and then all of a sudden his tire store deal, if he gets traded to Arizona, well, that, that deal's probably not going to follow him. But the thing is, is the NFL's not sitting there saying, oh, okay, how can I give this guy the highest number of name, image, and likeness? No, they're saying what's best for the Washington Redskins and what's best for the Arizona Cardinals. And then they operate their league accordingly because that's the priority. This business of college football's role is to generate as much money as possible for a 17- and 18-year-old. That's never been the role of college football, and that shouldn't be the role now. So our decision should not be based on, okay, this guy makes this much money here and that much money there. No, if you're going to play in our league, you're going to get drafted, you're going to get cut, and you're going to get traded. And Because that's what professionals do. And tell me any league, uh, currently there's no other league that operates that way with regard uh, to their professional athletes, none. Yeah, you're right about that. The difficult thing for a lot of these college kids, as you talked about a couple of answers ago, is that many realize that college football is the end of the road for them. And so for the sake of their ability to maximize their own potential in a sport that reaps in billions of dollars every year, they want to find any way, shape or form that they can kind of get their cut, especially because they are engaging in an activity that can have long-term ramifications on their neurological and overall physical health too well okay first of all with what you said and i agree with most of it although not quite the direction you're headed with it um the part i agree with well first of all given that it's amazing that we would do something to diminish college degrees because having a college degree does a number of those things you just mentioned. And now all of a sudden we're going to throw that out the window because, you know, the restaurant down the road offered to give some guy this much money. And if he does something on the computer, he gets that much that, money. That's, so a that's, fa- not, that's, that, that's, that's a fa- not long-term and sustaining like a degree. Okay. Then the second item. Real, real quick, Mike, is, that, real quick, Mike, that's a very fair point. And I don't want to diminish the degree either. The degree absolutely matters more than a lot of people are giving it credit for. The other portion of that, you know, the cash in now, get whatever you can uh, portion of that is your value is only what your value is. I mean, as a, play, as, as a player uh, to your team, I mean, that's what your value is. And, 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 and everybody wants a lot of money. Well, I mean, whoever's, you know, playing in the band or just a regular student wants a lot of money. Well, but if you can't provide a value to your team, you're not going to get that money. And so this business of, well, they have a narrow college window, and so they need to cash in and get all this. Well, that doesn't mean they get to extort the league that they're in. You know, they have to provide goods and services for that. And, um, you know, uh, 
and, and, and you know, if they're not good enough to do that, well, then their market doesn't suggest that they, uh, you know, they get all this money. I mean, get all you can, name it, but get all you can, but it's not our job to manufacture it either. Love your comments on all of that, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing. I want to uh, switch to a slightly lighter topic now. Back on April 27th, you tweeted out five simple words over the course of two tweets. Musk, dot, 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 can we talk now? If you were to have a conversation with Elon Musk, what would you want to talk about? I think he's a fascinating guy. And I think no matter what side of the coin somebody's on with him, I think it would definitely be fascinating. I think he's unique. I think he's achieved a lot of things, uh, 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 positive and, and some would argue negative. And I, I think uh, anybody with any level of curiosity on some level uh, would would want to know a little bit more about Elon Musk. Well, he's he's a visionary, obviously, and he you're right. He has done more for uh, anybody on this planet than just about anybody alive right now. When you're talking about uh, making electric vehicles a reality for a lot of people on the roads right now, literally sending uh, rockets into space when NASA had to abandon their plan. Uh, The Boring Company is something that's incredible. Now, I'll probably never take a part in Neuralink. I'm guessing you're not either, but the fact that he is, I don't uh, know what it is, but go ahead. Neuralink is basically putting a ni- microchip in a person's brain to allow them to access the internet without any form of technology. Now that's a far off goal. The short-term goal is to allow people with epilepsy or other neurological conditions to get to live their day-to-day life and not have to worry about as much about those conditions. Uh, But to your point, Elon Musk has done so much good, but he's also a visionary and a dreamer. And oftentimes when you do that, you make grandiose promises that you fall short on. And I think that's where a lot of people end up criticizing him. Well, you never get answers unless you ask the question, you know, and his willingness and his uh, almost excitement to ask the question and, and discover along the way. And you hit some dead ends. There's no question. I think is fascinating. And, you know, in those that think Elon Musk is a villain, I mean, we closely study uh, interesting villains as fast as heroes with an interesting approach. Uh, and I think that um, one thing nowadays, it's uh become very fashionable to be narrow-minded and try to slot people in certain boxes and not discover, try to know, uh, try to understand just because someone disagrees with something. Well, I think that's toxic. I think then that just limits uh, your capacity to think, evaluate, and understand things. And and nobody's going to be right the whole time. Yeah, it's human nature to be closed-minded to something that you don't completely understand, and that's why it's important for people who are capable of asking questions, of asking those questions and having conversations when they can. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're an important public figure, and you're somebody who is always asking himself questions in season and out of season. And out of season, it's not necessarily all about football either. Are there any questions that you've been seriously pondering this college football offseason? Well, I wish I had something better for you. Uh, my latest is I got to watch in Gaslight. And, you know, I've read, and this was 
you know, decades ago, I read like five Watergate books by the mm. various uh, folks. And then, and so Gaslight, like those docudramas, I find them to be kind of a combination of uh, factual to a point. I found the Watergate one to be real factual from the way I understand it. Mm. And then, um, and then the second is, of course, the characters are over the top enough. It's a, uh, a cross between a comic book and a dark comedy. Um, but uh, no, I thought it, I thought it was really good. And of course the wheels get to churning about, um, you know, cause you know, right now lately there's been a lot of government interference on all things and Watergate's kind of a microcosm of that. And um so I've been pretty fascinated with it. And to be honest, I've been guilty at uh, running stuff back, uh, hearing what they said again, sort of piecing it together, you know, this, then that. So uh, let's see, that's been one of them. Um, oh, shoot. Uh, well, I went to Wyoming, got, uh, and I'm from Wyoming, and I was in the 4th of July parade, so... I kind of got into, um, you know, a lot of the stuff Old West and actually even drove over to Sheridan, another town in uh, Wyoming that I lived and checked that out. And, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of the time I wondered why I ever left. <laughs> and um, Things much simpler uh, there, huh? Well, it's just utterly gorgeous. But, you know, the as far as career-wise football, I mean, there's really not a football option there. That's one thing I like a lot about Mississippi State as far as just kind of down-to-earth people and, you know, hobbies and how they spend their time is is uh, similar to Wyoming. You know, I mean, people outdoors all the time, hunt all the time. You know, if there's, uh, you know, water, they're in it all the time. Uh, don't have mountains here, but they're trudging through the woods a lot. Um, you know, take pride in what they do look after their neighbor, that type of thing. And then, and, uh, you know, and even though I grew up there, uh, you know, the part of Wyoming I grew up is stunningly beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where you forget how grand and amazing it is when you're gone, you know, I mean, the, the best part about where I grew up is, uh, it hasn't changed people's you know, somebody will build a McDonald's. They'll say, oh, Cody's changed so much. You won't even recognize him now. <laughs> no, it's exactly the same, but it's got a McDonald's or whatever. I mean, it, it, it uh, Cody, and Cody, the changes they have made, it's changed for the better. And the reason it doesn't change is because you can't get there from here. Right. Okay. The thing, the thing that's most uh, difficult about Cody, Wyoming is you can't, you don't get to go very much because you can't get there from here, you know? Mm -hmm. and uh oh no it, it was outstanding i need to go more i've, I've decided i'm going to try to go once a year so people always think about skiing with the mountains but i just got back from colorado with my family i've got a wife and a, a seven and five year old daughter and son and we hung out in the mountains for a week we're in breckenridge for a while went over to colorado springs actually took a train to the top of pike's peak I may be a bigger fan of the mountains in the summertime than I am the beach now. And I never thought I would say that, but it is just so relaxing. The lack of humidity, 
the temperature's never breaking the upper 70s or low 80s it's getting nice and cool at night and when you're living in a place like uh where you are in mississippi where i am in texas uh, that's a nice reprieve from the oppressive summer heat you know it's funny because i grew up in the mountains and horses and camping and all that and my dad was a forester so that even accelerated those things um and so then as i got older it was beach, 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 island, beach, you know, because I didn't get to do a lot of that. That's where our vacations would be as the kids are growing up. Every one of those kids would rather go to the mountains than go to the beach. They would all rather go to the mountains than the beach. And again, I think it's the reverse of my deal. It's what they did grow up around that they want to check out. Uh, the other thing that Pikes Peak thing's interesting. Okay, so a little bit of local uh, kind of stuff. So Cody, Wyoming was founded by Buffalo Bill Cody. And <clears throat> Buffalo Bill built the Irma Hotel and founded Cody, Wyoming. Okay, so, and, <clears throat> you know, they have a lot of historical things there, like probably the most commanding uh, museum of the West is in Cody, Wyoming. And so then... Um, and so, you know, they have like Jeremiah Johnson's body is buried there, which they got that in some other part of Wyoming, buried it there. And he'd spent a lot of time around there and a, no, and a number of these guys. OK, um, just kind of famous figures of the old West. OK, now the ultimate, the holy grail for Cody, Wyoming, is they want Buffalo Bill's body in Cody. OK, now Buffalo Bill. Uh, went on a hunting trip. He was older. I think he was 67 or something. He goes on a hunting trip to Colorado. And he's buried on Pikes Peak. So he died on this hunting trip. They bury him on Pikes Peak. And, you know, Cody would blow out this whole Buffalo Bill thing. and be like one of the proudest things that they could ever have. And so then they petitioned Colorado, I don't know how often, like every 10 years or something, to try to get Buffalo's body back to Cody. Well, in Colorado, of course, tells Wyoming to get screwed. <laughs> I mean, the biggest, the, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest rival university Wyoming has is Colorado State. And, um, but whatever, I mean, <laughs> they all, they just scoff about the notion of sending Buffalo Bill to Cody. And as you go up Pikes Peak, there's just, you know, one of those little rock things with a plaque that says, oh, by the way, Buffalo Bill died up here, you know. Oh, uh, they're not giving they're not giving Buffalo Bill back nothing doing. And he has no real connection to Colorado other than he passed away there. Um, my favorite spot in Colorado is Crested Butte. I love Crested Butte. I've been there before. Have you been to the top of Pikes Peak before? Yeah, I just drive as a kid. Well, see... So my dad was in the Forest Service and among other places. Well, let's see. I mean, this cuts off a couple of them, but we lived in Saratoga, Wyoming. Hmm. We lived in uh, we lived in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, we lived in Golden, Colorado. And just my dad loved to drive. So, oh, yeah, we'd drive up to Pikes Peak. I didn't hike it, but, you know, you drive up uh, Pikes Peak and then uh, – and uh 
So I've been all over Colorado, and then we moved to Sheridan, Wyoming, and then we moved to Cody, Wyoming, where I graduated from high school. Okay, so when you lived in Golden, you probably weren't old enough to go to a concert at Red Rocks then. No, I'd been to Red Rocks, wandered around, stomped around, actually camped out near there, uh, you know, uh, played Fort and Cowboys and Indians back there with... uh, with scouts and things like that, you know, <laughs> um, no, no concert. Okay. Well, it is a great place to see a show. Actually that Memorial day weekend where we went to the Banksy exhibit, we also went and saw Gary Clark jr at red rocks. And it was my first time to experience live music there. It meets the hype, Mike. I know a lot of things in this world don't meet the, uh, the, uh, the respect or the words that they receive before you actually encounter that. A concert at Red Rocks is something that you absolutely have to do at some point in the near future. I'd love to do it. My roommate from college, he lives in Parker, Colorado, which is right down the road from it. So I, I need to go up there and have, make uh, make Clayton take me to Red Rocks. Yeah, if you haven't been to Pikes Peak as an adult either, that is also well worth it. I recommend the train, by the way, even though I had young kids, so it made it that much more worth it. There are views that you obviously get taking a train up a mountainside that you're not going to get on the side of a road. And there is this turn that the train makes at one point to give you this spectacular view of a valley that apparently served as the inspiration for America, the beautiful. And it, I'm not a big crier. I get accused of being a robot with human flesh all the time. It came close to bringing tears to my eyes. It was just such a majestic view. Oh, I'll tell you, it's unbelievable. I've been on Amtrak going across uh, Colorado before. And then the, it, it was interesting because the train got delayed. They stopped work. And the view was tremendous. And then um, the I'll tell you the train I've always wanted to take is from Durango, Colorado to Silverton. And, um, and Durango's a great town. And that's down there by Mesa Verde and the ski area there well okay so it was purgatory forever which how killer of a name is purgatory are you kidding me i mean you come off the mountain oh where'd you ski today hey purgatory pal you know i mean uh, i mean purgatory that what a great name for a ski area well then they got i don't know the the reason or you know and i'd hope it wasn't political correctness or some crazy notion like that but they changed the name Durango no 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 then finally they changed it back to purgatory thank (laughs) goodness for that and then and then um but they say and I've been to Durango a a bunch of times and I always regret it as I'm driving out of there take that train to Silverton and um the old mining train or something and uh uh uh, and every, and people swear by it. Um, and then, oh, Mesa Verde, you got to go there too. I mean, you're talking about prehistoric civilization, all that stuff. Heck, they had apartment complexes, condos, the whole thing tucked into the cliffs there. Oh, well, I'm going to have to add that to the list. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I need to ask you a question here because one of my best friends, his dad, has hung out with you before, and uh, he told us a story that I think adds to your legend as uh, a guy that I like to refer to regularly on the air as the Bill Murray of college football. You play by your own set of rules. 
uh, you're an awesome dude to talk to. I, I can say that after getting to speak with you four or five times now. And uh, you're just a, a unique individual that this world is lucky to have. So my friend's dad was dating a woman at one point that was friends with your wife. And they met y'all in uh, the Florida Keys at one point. And I guess when they got the when they got to the Keys, they met you and your wife at this uh, nice bar in an upstairs area. Well, as soon as they walk through the door, a guy in a trench coat walks up and just flashes them. And my friend's dad said at that point, I guess you would put this guy up to it or you knew the guy or something. At that point, uh, my friend's dad is like, this guy is somebody that I'm really going to like. And sure enough, uh, you and your wife end up sh uh, showing them a great time around the keys throughout the course of that week. Do you have any recollection of this, Mike? What's, what's his name? Bob Dunn. Bob Dunn. His, his, uh, his wife's name, or I'm sorry, his girlfriend at the time, her name was Sally. Oh, she's the best. A any conversation with her is fascinating. Oh yeah, we went all over Key West, and then, which is easy to do. And now I'll tell you this: if something funny happens, like somebody flashes you or whatever, that gets uh, uh, overshadowed by uh, something else happening that night or wherever or whatever. Because uh, you'll see some different stuff, you know. <laughs> is that right? So you didn't put the flasher up to it then? He was just some random. Well, no, no, it's no, and it's not always flashing. I mean, it wouldn't, it's not necessarily flashing, but it, oh, you might meet somebody that, you know, a Navy SEAL or, uh, you know, some uh, buddy that, or somebody that came over from like Czechoslovakia or some country just under the most dire circumstances or uh, somebody that's caught the biggest fish in the world somewhere or, um, oh, like some, uh, you know, hippie type that, has a boat they've sailed all over the world and are anchored up working as a waitress or something i mean it no it's unbelievable and i mean the stories you get like if you're bored in key west you just go for a walk and let the night unfold now you don't know what's going to happen and that's part of the deal I and mean, you just go home that night and it's tough to sleep because you're just rolling all the stories around in your head one you're hoping not to forget them and then <laughs> um uh which you'll you will like some outstanding ones, like perhaps a guy flashing somebody. <laughs> and then, um, but, uh, oh no, it's awesome. Uh, and then just the quality of people you run into. Hey, so I'm seeing you retweet uh, some pictures of a guy who claims to have seen Bigfoot in Alabama back in April. Uh, you think Bigfoot is legit, Mike? I I wish, I hope. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I hope so. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm just, where's the bones? I mean, we got fossils and bones on nearly everything. And, and, you know, and Bigfoot tends to select dense areas like, uh, you know, the cascades and stuff where you can lose a lot of stuff in the cascades, but, um, seeing shadows isn't enough. I mean, Where's a Bigfoot skeleton? I mean, there's got to, we could find dinosaurs and everything else. I, if you, and I do want to believe, and I do hope that there is such a thing, you know, uh, unique critter that, uh, you know, out there that uh, does things his own way, lives his own life, hmm. 
uh, hangs around, has a great time. Um, but uh, I need a Bigfoot skeleton or a Bigfoot skull or something. I mean, I struggle with the fact that we haven't found anything like that. You know, somebody breaks out the camera and, you know, says, well, I saw a shadow. Well, okay, well, if there's enough of these shadows, I mean, Bigfoot's got to die somewhere. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I need a skeleton. I, although we did adopt Bigfoot at Washington State, had a great time doing it. One of our boosters, a guy named Wade Hogue, bought a costume, a Bigfoot, like a real authentic uh, Hollywood quality <laughs> Bigfoot costume. And then our equipment guys built a frame in that costume and we had a thing on wheels. And, and, you know, honest to goodness, Bigfoot. And our football complex was in the middle of campus. Washington State's unique, uh, the stadium and the football complex, right in the middle of campus where students have to come and go to class. And we would move Bigfoot all around that building and have him looking out a different window, you know, uh, to make <laughs> sure that uh, everybody thought Bigfoot was man in the ship, you know. And uh, we figured we'd let uh, the University of Washington have the Artesians because we'd already claimed Bigfoot. <laughs> did you ever put the costume on? Um, no, but uh, I didn't. But we would have the um, Cougar Athletic Fund events. And um, and we'd usually try to find like some former player because it was sort of designed for a bigger guy. I mean, this costume was and a, a lot was in the head or whatever, but it was like seven and a half feet tall. And, um, and so, yeah, these Cougar athletic events, uh, yeah, sometimes Bigfoot would make an appearance, uh, no doubt. Bigfoot was a big hit. I agree with you that there's probably no such thing as Bigfoot in modern times, but at some point in the last tens of thousands of years, there was a creature that fit those qualifications and hopefully we can find bones at some point. Like you also said, that shows as much, by the way, I know you were asking about uh, possible new shows at sec media days uh, a few weeks back, check out Sasquatch on Hulu. It does have to do Sasquatch. with big Sasquatch. Yeah. It does have to do with Bigfoot, but it's a really, really good uh, docu-series, true crime docu-series. Highly recommend that one. Do they find him? What do they do? They, they go search for him. They ex what's their, what's they explore the history. There's a supposed murder that happened at the hands of a Sasquatch in that Humboldt area of California, as you're well aware from Washington State. I actually lived in Oregon for a little while. The Cascade Mountains are the perfect setting for a Bigfoot murder mystery. So that's all I'm going to tell you. You got to watch the series to find out the rest. So it's called Sasquatch, and it's on uh, Hulu. Hulu. Hulu, yeah. All right. All right, last question, Mike. I uh, guess guess we should probably end with a little bit of sports. Uh, this upcoming season is about to happen. You're entering year three at uh, Mississippi State. Uh, I know that it's uh, only a matter of time before you get a situation turned around, whether it's Texas Tech or Washington State or now at Mississippi State, that you're eventually going to win a lot more than you lose. How are you feeling about your team heading into this upcoming season? We had a really good uh, spring, and then we've uh... – and according to the sources or whatever, we got the toughest schedule in the country, but we had a really good spring. Um, and we've got a number of guys that have logged a lot of starts. Uh, we're not 
we don't have hardly any seniors, but we have a lot of guys that have started uh, games because we, you know, we had to play them as freshmen and things. So we're kind of looking forward to that. We, uh, I thought we developed a lot in the spring and, you know, in this uh, off season has been really productive too. And we have a really good locker room shaping up. That's right. All those guys that helped form the youngest roster in college football back in 2020 are upperclassmen now. Yeah, they're still here. Now they're sophomores and juniors. Cool. Well, he is Mike Leach, the Bill Murray of college football, entering year three at Mississippi State, but he is so much more than that, as you have just heard. Occasionally, he's nice enough to join me for an hour to chat about things. Always appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much for the time. Best of luck this season. I hope at some point we can uh, we can get together either here in Austin, Starkville, or maybe someplace completely different. Sounds good. Come up here sometime. You got it, Mike. Take care. Thank you so much for the time, man. All right, Bubba. Great talking to you. Thank you to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. Thanks to Joshua Bates for the video editing. If you have any video editing needs, hit him up on Instagram at Forger Digital. And thanks as always to you for checking us out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.